0: The word that I've been thinking about this week is, is a word that's um, maybe not that, that fun to think about. Um, it's this, uh, it, it might not be a word that we get like super excited about, but it's, a, it's out of Hebrews uh, 10. And the writer in Hebrews 10 says, uh, you need endurance. You need endurance. You need this this strength to continue to go on and on and on. Hebrews 12 says, let us run the race with endurance. Following Jesus is not a sprint where you sprint, you know, a hundred yards and then you're done. Or you sprint for a short time in your life and then you are done. In Hebrews, it talks about this endurance, this long haul that we are on in in walking with Jesus. And that's why I even love bringing up Enoch with, with Keith. Because Enoch, he walked with God for 900 years and i know life expectancy was a different it was different uh, thousands of years ago but that's the picture that we need to have in our minds this this long haul walking with with jesus this endurance and often people can think like well endurance means slow and sometimes when you are running a long distance it's good to go slow but i often don't think that it's like always has to be that way We can ask Jesus, like, you know what, I'm running hard after you, Jesus, and I'm asking you to give me the endurance that I need for this long haul, to keep going for it every day of my life. But as I think about the word endurance, I think, uh, you know, we like to start a lot of things in our lives. We like to start, and and there's a lot of energy and excitement when we start something. You know, think about a road trip, and some people are going to be going on vacations. You, You get excited about a road trip. You, you buy the snacks, you hop into the van or the vehicle that you're in, and you set off on this road trip, and you're super excited, and then you hit Indiana. And you're like, are we there yet? And no, you still have like 12, 15 more hours to go just to get through Indiana. Um, but I also think about projects, frankly, on a house. And with uh, Home Improvement and seeing things on TLC and all that stuff, all those Home Improvement shows, People get really excited to engage in home improvement projects. And they dive in, and they've seen Demo Day on whatever show, and, and they get in, and they start like swinging their hammers and start you know, constructing. And then you get into the middle of the project, and you're like, oh, this is such hard work. There is that, that middle section that is just so difficult to get through. There's excitement when you start, frankly excitement when you, you start getting close to the finish, but just that middle piece of endurance is so needed. And I know we need endurance because if you look at anybody's house and the projects that they've started and that aren't completed just around the house, there's things in my house that aren't completed that I started years ago. And then you really quickly, you know, finish them right when you sell the house or list the house. You're like, I got to get these things done. And that just shows that we need endurance in our lives. But endurance, frankly, isn't sexy, if you will. It's just this slugging, you know, day in, day out. But the writer of Hebrews says, you need endurance. But I don't think, or I think that so often we don't want to go through the pain and the discipline and, and really what it takes to produce endurance. I mean, life is, is hard. We've we heard that. But there's something that happens in the midst of suffering that the Lord can use. Look at Romans 5. I just want to hop over there and then we're going to hop into to something in Hebrews. Look at Romans 5. talking about Jesus, this isn't going to be up on the screen, but I'm going to start reading at verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, that's good news. Just like we've never sinned, that's what we've been given through faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 2, through him, Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I mean, that is powerful news. That is good news. We have access to God through our faith in Jesus Christ. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in the fact that one day we will see him face to face. That we who have been, you know, filled with Christ, that we've been united with Christ, we will see him face to face. But then Paul goes on. He says, not only that, and you're thinking like much more good news is coming, but we rejoice in our sufferings. I don't know too many people when they come across sufferings, they're like, We are rejoicing in our sufferings. Yes, suffering, bring it on. Like that's not usually our response. But Paul says this, suffering. We rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. He says, suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope. I think of that, and if I really search my heart, I want character, and I want hope, and frankly, I want endurance, but I want it all without going through suffering. So often, we want the benefits of this (coughs) without going through it. And, and there's something that can be shaped in our hearts in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, that God can use. And I think of our lives and our need for endurance. And what are those things that, that, that can help us when it comes to living this life of endurance? And there are two things, frankly, that, that, that I see today that I want to talk about. Two things that can help us live this life of endurance. This life going for the long haul. And the first is over, hop over to, to Hebrews 12. And the first one is correction or discipline. The second one is encouragement. And we'll get to that and you'll be really encouraged in a second. Seriously, trust me. But if you go to Hebrews 12, I don't know how many people really have like this section of scripture underlined. Because it's not something that we really like, wow, we, we just love discipline or correction. But the writer of Hebrews says this in verse 3. He says, consider him talking about Jesus. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So saying, consider Jesus, consider what he went through, that he endured, that he went all the way to the end, he didn't grow weary or faint-hearted, even as he was going towards the cross, he, he saw the cross, he saw the pain of the cross, but he prayed to his father and said, "If there's any other way, do it, but not my will be done, your will be done." Jesus was faithful. He endured to the very end. Then the writer goes on and says, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Pretty much, you're like, you're suffering. You're going through some difficult times, but you haven't given up your life yet. Then it goes on. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your droopy hands, strengthen your weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed." Discipline We all need this but we read this and we're like ah, That doesn't get me super Super excited Like When you talk about discipline or correction No teenager is, is, is Going to school the next day after being disciplined And saying you know what my parents disciplined me They corrected me and it was amazing <laughs> no, one is even, no one is ever you know, Saying that but we need this if we are To endure we need to be equipped We need to be complete we need to be Corrected but as we think about this word discipline, is, what is discipline? What, what is this discipline that, that the writer is talking about? If this is good for our benefit, if there's some, some good that comes out of it, what is this discipline? And the first thing that comes to mind is, is discipline is different than punishment. Discipline is different than punishment. We are not being punished. The writer not talking about being punished for our sins. See, sometimes people can, can, can say, and I've heard this, God is punishing me for what I did years ago, for choices I made years ago. That's why I'm going through what I'm going through today. And I would say that is completely false, and it's against what this book teaches. Yeah. See, see, God, there is, there is punishment for sin. There is a penalty be, to be paid for our sins. But the beauty of the gospel is that, that God so loved us that he put all of the wrath of God, his, his punishment, he placed that on his son Jesus. And when Jesus went to the cross and said, it is finished, that means it is finished. The penalty for our sins was finished if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. The one who is, is righteous took on our sin for the unrighteous so that we can be filled with new life in Christ. We have been delivered from the wrath of God by Jesus Christ. Jesus saved us from the curse of the law so that we wouldn't have to be cursed. He became a curse for us. And so I want us from the very beginning to like, when we think about discipline, to to completely eliminate this, this idea that discipline is punishment. That God is getting you or I back. If you are in Christ, the punishment has already been paid when he placed it on his son, Jesus. But we see this word discipline in here. And we see that God disciplines those he loves. Discipline. He corrects. He trains. We see little Keese over there. He is a little boy, wonderful, but he will need to be trained. He will need to be corrected. And if his parents don't correct him or train him, under your breath you're going to be like, I wish they would discipline that boy. (laughs) But a father, it says, disciplines The one he loves. Look at verse 6. It says, the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Discipline is is an act of love, a sign of love. Proverbs 13, 24 says this. Whoever spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Discipline is a picture of love. And people will often say, you know what? I, I get concerned that the Lord is disciplining me. I get concerned and worried that God is, is, is correcting me or, or doing this or that. I would say, actually, the opposite is true. You should be concerned if God is not disciplining you. Because if God disciplines you, it says that you are his son or you are his daughter because he disciplines those that he loves. And so the big question could be, like, if you're not receiving discipline, and we'll get to what that looks like in a little bit, then you have to question, okay, am I a son or daughter of God? And the only way to become a son or daughter of God is to receive Jesus, to believe in his name, to receive him into your life. And then the beauty of John 1 verse 12, it says that you have the right to become a child of God. And a father disciplines his kids that he loves. So this is a sign of love, being disciplined, being corrected, things in your life that need to be changed and transformed. God is looking at your life and saying, I love you so much that I want to to correct you and train you up into righteousness. I remember talking years ago with a a young man who was in high school at the time. And he went through some trouble years as a middle schooler. Got into drugs and alcohol as a middle school student. And really troubled life. And I was sitting and talking with him. And he said his dad just really neglected him. And he knew everything that he was doing as a middle school student. But just didn't do anything in his life. And I said, what do you wish your dad would have done to you? And he looked at me, and I'll never forget this. He says, I wish my dad would have disciplined me. And I'm like why like why it's not usually something you hear. And then he said words straight from scripture. He said because if he would have disciplined me, it would have shown that he loved me and cared for me and he didn't want me to go into this direction. And so a father disciplines the one he loves. He corrects, he trains. And this is what we always have to remember when it comes to God. We have a good father because when we talk about God being a father and God disciplining us and a father disciplining us, we can have in a room like this a lot of different views of a father based on our past experiences with our own dads. There are dads that have been abusive. And so we think of God through that lens. God is not an abusive father. God cares and has concern for his kids. We can think of our fathers maybe being absent distant, maybe engaged in work or in a hobby or something like that. The beauty of God being a father is that he's not distant. He is near, he's close, he walks with us, he gave us a spirit to live inside of us, to guide us and lead us. But we also sometimes think like of of a father being overprotective. And I think kind of in our world today, I can even sometimes lean this way, being overprotective, not wanting our kids to go through anything and like, you know, surround them in bubble wrap and making sure that they don't experience any pain. But God is such a good, perfect father that he allows us to go through some things because he loves us. He's not protecting us from every little thing, but he's like, I love you so much that I'm going to let you go through this. And so the big question that I wrestled with as is in this passage talking about a father, a good father disciplining his kids, is really what does that discipline look like? For me, that is the big question. What does discipline look like? As a kid, I knew exactly when I was going to be disciplined. My dad would rub his hands together, he'd warm them up, and then without, like, knowing it, he would, like, boom, over the knee, and I just would be, like, red all over my rear end. You know, I knew when my dad was going to discipline me, but I, I think about God as being a good father, like, how does he discipline, how does he correct? And I think I really struggle with this because I've heard some things that people have said, and people have said some really dumb things, and I even have said some really dumb things. When people go through difficulty, they have a need to explain things, to reason things, and say, you know, this is happening because God wants to to teach you this or that. God sent this because he wants you to learn this or that. And I've struggled with that because people have said, you know, this sickness is happening because God is teaching you this. And I want to be crystal clear. That is false. Cancer, sickness, all of that is of the devil is demonic is from the pit of hell broken relationships that's a result of sin in our lives and sin in this world greed which causes so which is the result of sin causes so much pain in people's lives persecution if you're facing suffering if you're going through difficult difficulty in your lives and people are saying stuff about you because of your relationship with jesus that is because the enemy hates jesus and because you love jesus the enemy hates you and is sending people to to get you off track to persecute you i want to be crystal clear death disease darkness anything that we feel is from the pit of hell is from the enemy the enemy has one job. John 10.10 10, John 10, 10 says this. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is the only thing that he knows how to do. That's the only thing that he wants to do in your life. If you want an example, look at Job in the Old Testament. He wreaked havoc in Job's life. Just unleashed everything in Job's life. And he went through hell. And it was all at the result of the enemy's purpose in our life to steal, kill, and destroy. And so I want to encourage you. When people go through things... Don't give into this pressure, this temptation to explain everything. Because you're not God, and I'm not either. And so come around and care for people, love them, comfort them with the same comfort that you yourself have received. But you know what? God doesn't cause it. But the big question is like, okay, can he use it? And I think of Genesis 50, verse 20, the life of Joseph. Up and down, up and down, got to the end of his life, and Joseph experienced a lot of pain And it says this in Genesis 50, verse 20. It says, What the enemy intended for evil, God used for good, for the saving of so many. And so God can use your circumstance. God can use what you're going through. God can use your situations that you're facing and craft and and, and shape your heart and train you in righteousness. And so God disciplines us in in a handful of ways. And I'm just going to briefly touch on these. And these could be a whole different message. God disciplines us through his word. He disciplines and he teaches us and he trains us through his word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correction, so that we can be trained for every good work. When you read the word and you spend time in the word and there's that passage that just penetrates your soul, that is God correcting you, disciplining you, saying, This is what I want for your life. God also corrects us and disciplines us through his spirit. When you're going through life and you kind of get this nudge that something that you're doing isn't right, and you get this nudge, that is a nudge from the Holy Spirit, that God is speaking to you and saying, no, nope, this is not what I have for your life. God also disciplines and, and trains us through his body, through loving people. You know, Christ is the head of his church and we are his body. He disciplines and he trains us as he brings people into our lives who love us and care us, care for us and know us, and to speak words of truth into our lives but he also teaches and trains us and disciplines us through events that he allows us to go through. And so when it comes to this word, when it comes to our relationship with God and this wanting to live this life of endurance, are we open to the Lord's discipline and correction? Do we have a heart that's soft and saying, God, what do you want to teach me? What do you want to train me in? As I'm going through life, how do you want to shape me and mold me so I can be useful for the long haul? Because that's the point of discipline and training God doesn't want to break you down. He wants to build you up. At the end of the the section that I read, strengthen the weak knees. Make straight the paths. He brings discipline in our lives to build us up, to correct us, to grow us up in Christ-likeness. And so if we were to endure, we need discipline and correction. But the other thing that we need is encouragement. And Hebrews 10 talks about this, is come together and be encouraged. And this week there have been a number of testimonies that I have heard that I wanna share right now just to encourage us as we transition into a time of, of worship and prayer. And I hope and pray that these testimonies build your faith, encourage you is to keep going, um, because God is working, God is moving. And so I'm gonna ask Helen to come up, and Roberta to come up, and then also Jen to come up with uh, Roberta and Dan, wherever you're at, to come up with, uh, with Helen. Because there's gonna be some powerful testimonies, but then also um, a way that we can continue to wrap our arms around these two families. I'm going to start with Roberta. Why don't you come over this way? Share what happened in your life last week when you were here.
1: <laughs> so I'm not as elegant as Jen so I made notes. <laughs> but last week at this time actually I was really fighting to even show up here. I just... Not this past week, but the week before. I was just really having a hard week. I can't pinpoint anything other than I was just weary. Just so weary. Um, And it was basically just a step of faith to even go to church. And I commend Jody. (laughs) It's hard. But while we were driving there, I I prayed, Lord, I need your encouragement today. And he didn't disappoint. Um, Restoration Church was such a blessing to our family in so many ways. Our whole family was encouraged by the word. Um, right away that Martha gave um, from Hebrews 10.36 For you have need of patient endurance to bear up under difficult circumstances without compromising so that when you have carried out the will of God you may receive and enjoy to the full what is promised Those are just powerful words. And then Dave's message really lifted us up to how does it look to live a life of faith, to be uncomfortable, vulnerable, to have endurance, uh, keep on praying. For people to be healed without faith, it is impossible to please God. And um, we just really love, Dave, how you put it, that it's like... I don't understand it. And and I love how you don't try to come up with a philosophy why things are. You just take God's word for his word, for the truth. And saying, you know what? I just know that if I don't pray, I don't see any healings. And if I do, I do see healings although there are times when I don't but we just keep on praying um so just in that was just so healthy and then Jim came up and boldly prayed for um Ryan's healing and that was like healing salve for us our, our souls to go from attending a church where never never once in seven years was there a prayer that he would be healed, just persevere. But Jen had the audacity to stand on his healing, to ask God for his healing and expect his healing. And then Cece prayed with me and it was almost like something physically came off my shoulders. It was, I've I've never experienced anything like that and we parted with her promise to pray in the spirit for me every day and i have felt those spurs. it was uh, it was a remarkable remarkable week um mike came and picked up jason and had supper there and enjoyed mike's <laughs> <laughs> and then Alan showed up and cleaned my house (laughs) and then Laurel shows up with a meal (laughs) and Dan grabs Jason for Saturday afternoon Mm -hmm. and it was just blessing upon blessing and Sarah showed up and did some taxing for my kids and yeah it was just We were blessed, and I was encouraged and restored, and just man, this was a picture of grace and kindness. It's awesome.
0: Thank you. You I love it. Your burden comes with a prayer. All right, God, you know you're gonna have to show up. (laughs) And how does God work? He could have just boom, you know, done something, but He uses His body. Uh, to encourage and to surround Roberta not only on Sunday but throughout the week and that's what the church is called to be and and called to do. And so Jen is going to share some ways that uh, we can even surround uh, Roberta and the family uh, moving forward.
2: Yeah, we just want to be a body that takes care of our body. We don't just want to talk about it. We want to do it. And so I just encourage you, even when people share prayer requests, be intentional. Go up to them. Pray, number one, pray for them. Ask them, what can I do for you? Send a text, send an email, drop them a meal, do things, be the body. God's called us to be the body. We're all anointed to go out and to love others and pray for others and serve others. So we can all do this. What a difference that can make. Look at what a difference it made. We didn't all coordinate that. Every single person had something on their heart and just reached out to the family. So we wanna continue to love the Adama family. They They have a lot going on. They have a lot of care needs that take a lot of time. Three hours in the morning and three hours at night, and that that causes a lot less time for Roberta to do mom things. So I'm going to set up, um, it will be online today, a sign-up genius for ways that we can help them. But those might look like bringing a meal. If anyone could ever pick up Jason after school from Zealand and take them to their house in Drenth. That's a really fun thing to do, to hang out with Jason. We got to have him over for dinner, super fun. He brought a lot of energy and a lot of great fun to our house, have him over for dinner. Have him on Saturdays especially, weekends are a bit of, can be long. So if you have a couple hours and you can go pick up Jason, everyone loves hanging out with Jason. Um, Also their daughter's in um, Driver's Ed and that's in Hudsonville. And that's, right?
1: It's it's actually Colin, 32nd
2: in Holland, which is a little bit far from them. So if anyone even just ever can pick her up after that and take her back home, there's also a need maybe on a Monday evening to help pick up Ryan's car from a Bible study that he goes to and just pick him up in their van and take that back home. So those will all be on our website on a link to sign up Genius, but talk to the Adama family if any of that is stirring in your heart that you would love to help out with.
0: Cool, thanks Jen. You can give it to Helen.
3: I wrote some things down as well. Um, Last October, I met with Dave, and as I was thinking about this, um, we were catching up on Andrew, my grandson, who is six and has uh, neuroblastoma. And at that point, he was in remission. And we were talking about it, and he was healthy and happy. He had started kindergarten, and he had been to the ER the week before with a fever, and my daughter just instantly went to fear. We're back here. And I just remember telling you, we're not living that until it's here. Fast forward about six weeks later, we got the results that um, he had a tumor in his head right at the base of his skull, uh, it was not operable and we had relapsed, cancer was back. So it was a size of a golf ball and since then we, um, we let fear and worry creep in um, and right away we were just in shock. So this was from my journal that I wrote um, Couple days after we got that, because we were just at the pit. Um, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress; my God, whom I trust. Lord, I'm resting in You. I'm trusting in You, and always I am heartbroken that Andrew's cancer has returned. This isn't fair. It isn't right, and it is so frustrating. I want to be wrong, and I want to hear we made a mistake. We can't hear that, and we can't move forward to watch him grow in smile, silly, and laugh. Why, Lord, why? My life's journey to date has been filled with heartache, pain, grief, sorrow, trials, and tribulations. It is never easy and never dull. Always filled with high needs, but this one takes the cake. This one has me at a loss. He's just a kid, he doesn't get to choose, no reason, why, just why? Friday the 13th, 2020 sucked. Nothing would make it worse and no one could say or do anything to make me feel better. I'm choosing to trust you, Lord, for strength in the journey, for what we need to be full of life and offer peace to those around me. The next season is going to be hard. It is going to be bone-crushing hard, Lord. I'm begging for a miracle, trusting with all my face and knowledge that your goodness in this relapse is the beginning of a story of hope, a story of redemption and of healing a show of your mighty power and testimony of your goodness and all that comes with your love and tender heart and compassion that you are present you are real you are good now and always lord i'm trusting for what's next i rest in your shadow i lay in your protection under your wing the rain and the wind the storms of life will not harm me when i rest with you so since that point we've had six rounds of chemo 15 radiation treatments multiple scans and nothing changed the tumor didn't move it didn't shrink. It didn't go away. Three weeks ago, we were told we were at the end of traditional treatment. We had a half a dose of chemo because his counts had not recovered and we had no other options. At that point, we weren't part of a clinical trial or accepted, um, but we were still anxious. But I was still believing that God would heal, but I also braced for reality that might not happen. Last Sunday, Dave preached on Hebrews 10.36. For some reason, last Sunday was powerful for lots of people. (laughs) Um, He started the message asking, what am I doing right now that makes me feel uncomfortable? And what is it that makes me feel uncomfortable? I was convicted and I believed that God could heal Andrew, but I continued to say, if he doesn't, he is still good. I'm a realist and a planner. I like to know what's going on so I can be prepared. Right. (laughs) The journey has thrown me off and pushed me out of my comfort zone and has forced me to not plan and to take each day as it comes. Sunday I decided I would not pray for healing and add the but if not, Lord, I know you are still good. I claimed Andrew would be healed and his scans would be cleared. I prayed for myself. I prayed it over Andrew. Um, The morning of the scans was Wednesday. Um, I sat and snuggled with him in the chair and I'm like, Andrew, today we're going to have clear scans. God has healed you. Scandi is full of anxiety. You just don't know. The doctors call. They don't call. Uh, Medical records are electronic now. Um, We got his relapse notification via email at 7 o'clock in the morning because the doctor didn't see it. They just automatically put it in your records. You get to read them. So we didn't expect any results on Wednesday. We thought we weren't going to hear anything. We would get the results Thursday morning in an email, read them ourselves, process, and go on. That didn't happen. They called my daughter back up while she was still there, and the doctor wanted to meet with her. I just can't imagine. She's all alone. COVID has just, like, totally sucked in that regard, that you cannot have anybody at the hospital with you when you're getting news of cancer or just any disease or anything that you're fighting and struggling with. So she was just very anxious. She took the news. She called us, said, I need to talk to you. She came to visit me at my office, because her other son was with me, and you could see she had been crying. And we're just like, oh no. We're like, let's go in the other room, shut the door, let's talk about this. In my mind, I'm braced for like, we can handle this, we can move forward, we know what's next. And she's like, no, no, we can talk here in front of the kids. I'm like, oh no, we cannot. You're crying, we're done. (laughs) So um, she pulled us in the room, and she just started screaming. The scans are clear. The cancer's gone. I have my little miracle here with me today. God is so good and He is faithful. The journey isn't over. Um, We still need to go to the clinical. Trial, Um, cancer cells, just because the tumor itself is gone, the cancer cells can still be going through your body. Um, So my daughter and I will travel to North Carolina next week. Apparently North Carolina's more medical friendly because I get to go along into the hospital (laughs) with her. Um, And then we will start that and she'll have to travel every three months to get on a maintenance drug. Um, I can say the enemy is just like, he's there though because this week I felt very heavy and convicted. I felt guilt. For my grandson receiving a miracle and others not. And I don't understand it, but I know God is good and I know there is hope. Um, The very first week of Restoration Church, you said this, our hope cannot be in the outcome, but in Jesus, our final destination and the reunion with the Savior. He is our hope.
0: Mm -hmm. Thanks, Helen. Wow. We're going out in North Carolina, and Dan had something put on his heart, um, a way that we can wrap our arms around them and uh, pray for them and encourage them as they go,
4: so. Yeah, thanks. So as as an endurance runner, one of the things that I get used to is getting used to being comfortable being uncomfortable. Because as you run long enough, discomfort's gonna turn to pain. Whether it's toenails coming off or whatever, it's gonna happen. And so one of the ways to manage that pain and get through it is with training partners. So you have somebody running with you, you can feel the breathing feel the cadence you just get through that or even virtually i have running buddies all over the world that we share our runs with each other what went well what didn't and you don't take the pain away while that happens but just sharing that somehow makes it easier to get through and manage that so dave and i were talking about that and i think god nudged me to say you know what as i heard about this trip and the miles that this family is going on um you know i can be the training buddy and so on tuesday a bunch of buddies and i started committing to running for andrew and so every day when we run my watch affectionately known as gary will beep every mile <laughs> as i go and gary is a reminder for me to pray for andrew pray for helen pray for kelly and so that's where we can use your help we're going to run uh 765 miles to start we're going to do much more than that we're already at 115. we could use your help you don't have to run you can bike and walk. Walk 10 minutes. Pray for Andrew. Pray for the family as you're doing it. Send your miles to uh, milesforandrew at gmail and uh, there's a GoFundMe page. I think there's a link on our website too to help support them. Let's come alongside them and, and they're not in this alone. Yeah.
0: Thanks, you. Guys. Thank you <laughs> and look at Andrew's just being a brother over there, messing with his brother. Um, you know, we hear that testimony. We hear these testimonies. And powerful. God is, God is at work. God is always at work. Um, you know, but how do, we, how do we navigate all of this? You know, because we, hear, we see you know, healings and then sometimes others don't get healed. And I look at uh, Jesus' words and he says, uh, Celebrate, rejoice with those who rejoice, and grieve with those who grieve. And so we can do both at the same time. And also, in addition, like these testimonies should stir up faith in us. To continue to pray, to continue to press in, to continue to um, do the things that the Lord is asking us to do. And so what I want to do right now is, Tyler, why don't you come on up. I want us to go into a, a, a prayer time slash worship time. Tyler shared with me at a church that he grew up in. Uh, they used to call this time worship and warfare. And so they would worship and they'd also pray. And so Tyler's going to be up here worshiping. You do need your stand back. we go. Um, we're going to worship. But also before we, we do that, I would love us to, to stand in those prayer requests that were shared. If you feel comfortable gathering around uh, someone who shared a request to pray for them, let's go ahead and do that. Um, uh, right now, if you want to move uh, and do that, if you want to gather up and pray, Tyler's going to sing a little bit up here. And then when he feels led, he'll transition to that time of worship. But I want this time to be a, a time where we're going for it in warfare and prayer, um, praying that the hearts will be comforted, praying that... Uh, People's lives would be restored, and that people would have find life in Christ. So let's pray together, and then we'll uh, we'll worship.